as you win. It talks about an elder being a friend. It talks about the scripture talks about the elder being a Christ-like example to all the people, especially to children and to the younger ones that are coming up. To give clear and cheerful guidance to young people by words and by example, to bring God's people up uh, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. To walk with people in their pain, to walk with people in their weaknesses, to celebrate their joys that they experience in their life. You know, one example we've already heard this morning, we've, we've just experienced the heart of an elder in the emotion that Eric felt just by sharing sad news to the congregation. You know, that kind of care, that kind of connection is the heart of an elder, someone who loves his people. And so in this, we experience the joys and the sorrows, the difficulties, the pains, the weaknesses, but we also celebrate the joys and the successes uh, of our people as well. So I want to challenge you as elders to hold in trust all sensitive matters that are confided to you, to encourage the aged to persevere in God's promises, to be wise counselors, support and strengthen uh, Eric and, and one another in this team concept that God is so for and so positive about, to be compassionate yet firm and consistent in rebuke and discipline. You know, sometimes today in the 21st century, the church really doesn't carry out the standards of Scripture. They tend to let things go. But there's love and care in, in revealing sin, to dealing with it in a compassionate and loving way, but yet firmly, as a father would, in uh, guiding his children. And so as elders, you're being commissioned today and you're being challenged to to step up to a new place of responsibility so that the people that are around you there in that community feel secure. People want to feel secure. They want to know they have a place that's safe. They, they want to know there's a place where they really have people who are concerned about them and is looking after their welfare, not only spiritually, but also naturally. So I want to encourage you in those things. I want to encourage you, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, to hold firm the word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. As an elder, you're responsible for being apt to teach. That means you have an aptitude to teach the word of God in a way that's going to bring transformation to people's lives. And we don't do that just by transferring knowledge from one head to another. We actually teach by transferring one heart to another. So I encourage you and challenge you in that. Be men of prayer. Pray continually, not only for your own heart and your own life, as, as we have said from Acts chapter 20, to pay careful attention to yourselves, but also to pray for each other and to pray for your flock to lift them up. I have found that as I pray for my people, God gives me a deeper love for them, a greater admiration for the struggles that they're going through, a deeper uh, sensitivity to the pains that they're experiencing. Prayer helps shape you and form you into a greater leader than you are even 
today. And so hold the word of God in high esteem. Hold prayer in high esteem. And then let me just read these scriptures. I'm sure they'll be read or at least referred to several times today in your service. But they're found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where it says, An overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the combination of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, you wouldn't be standing there today if the people behind you didn't think well of you. I, I believe there's a great amount of unity there at North Shore, and that's to be commendable. But also, we must maintain a good reputation outside the house of God, in the community, neighbors, so that they know when they hear that that man serves as an elder at Christ Church North Shore, that they will think well of that idea because of the testimony that you have in your community. And I, I think that it was important for Paul to put that in there because our goal is not to stay where we are, but to grow, to become more fruitful as a congregation, uh, to become larger as a congregation, more volume of people, not to become a clique. And, and I think that as you touch your people that are there and reach out and embrace people, then I think that outsiders will look and see that's the kind of community I want to belong to. So I encourage you to be that type of leader, to be those types of men. So let me just close because not only do I have to go over and preach here in a moment, but you have to get on with some other things as well. But let me just say that all the things that Paul talks about in the life of an elder is not so much about doing, it's about being. It's a way of being. I don't think you'd be standing here today if you weren't already modeling a lifestyle that brought you to the place where you are. And so let me just encourage you to continue to be what God has made you to be. Men of integrity, men of character, men who are honest, men who are sincere, men who care, who reach out and embrace people in whatever way that is necessary to be just exactly who God has made you to be and to live out Christ-like nature in every thought, word, and deed. To have relationships of compassion. You know, let God soften your heart. Sometimes people move into leadership roles and they, they take that responsibility on almost in a hardened fashion. Almost as if now I'm a leader, I have to prove my leadership. But you don't prove your leadership by being hard. Real divine spiritual leadership is soft-heartedness, passion, tenderness. We have to certainly have moments when we take strong stands in certain areas, and we have to make hard decisions at times. But we always make those decisions with the grace of God as the power behind it. 
And I have found over the years that the grace of God is a softening power, softens our hearts to the needs of people, even people who may be indifferent, even people who they themselves may be hard. God gives us grace to show mercy. He gives us grace to show love and kindness. you as men always approach your people and others even that are not part of the congregation as of yet in a way that's going to soften one's heart and then lastly let me just challenge you always be ruled by the word and the spirit always be ruled by the word and the spirit there's going to be times in the history of your church in the future of your church where there's going to be disagreement, there's going to be difference of opinion. But one of the things that we need to always be able to do is come back, what does the Word of God say? Let the Word of God be the foundation. Everyone's going to have an opinion. You know, opinions are like noses. We all have one. But we need to always come back to the foundation of what does God say in His Word and if we're all pursuing the life of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will interpret the Word of God the same. He's not going to He's not going to allow us to interpret it according to our own feelings or thoughts or ideas. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of God. And he will always communicate the heart of God as as the Word is the foundation. So I just want to say to you, I love you. I have enjoyed getting to know you. And church, by the way, this is not an overnight thing. As you well know, this has been a process that has been ongoing. There has been much prayer and much communication. Uh, I have been privileged to be a part of the process. And uh, though I've not actually physically been with you, I think this is a good first start for us uh, in terms of congregational connection. And so I'm looking forward to the future days of hearing of all the fruitfulness and the blessing that is going to continue to be on North Shore as these men lead you into the future. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. Men, I hope you receive these words not in any other way except just as an encouragement and a challenge to, to rise up to the destiny that God has for you in your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Randy. Randy, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for the privilege and honor. I love you. I love you, church. I love you, people. And I just pray blessing upon blessing upon your lives right. today. Hey, Amen. Well, before you, before you guys uh, sit down here, uh, would like Jen Starr to come and she's going to share something prophetically that God has put on her heart and we just recognize Jen and the gifting that God or that she is to this congregation in terms of a prophetic voice and uh, we really take seriously what the Lord speaks to her so she's got a, a word for us this morning I'll stand over here with you guys
Well, this is definitely a great day for us. Um, so I, I got this word Friday morning uh, and shared a little bit of it with Lisa just to make sure that we're all in alignment. And man, God has such a heart for you and for our body to give us this. And I, I, I had three distinct keys or words for you guys. And the first one was a picture of um, the movie The Lion King. So after Simba had gone off and when his father had died, um, he couldn't handle it. He went away. and uh, he, he got to a point where he said, I have to go back and face Scar. And, and with this installing of eldership and specifically these men, Eric, um, these are men who are going to be able to face Scar's who are going to be able to literally face scars, things that, that we as a body, that, that life has, has uh, dealt us, the pain, things that leave a mark and a wound, you guys are going to be able to face scars and, and heal scars and, and walk people through in a way because of your father heart, because of your gentle compassion, your father heart is going to heal scars in our region, in our body, uh, with people that we know, uh, and not even the saved people that we know, but but people just that are wounded and hurt. And, and as elders, as this government is uh, put on you, you're going to find that your level of being able to deal with the scars of life is going to be increased. Um, the next thing I heard, uh, I actually saw a vision of a very ancient door uh, being transformed into a new door, a modern door. And in that, um, I, I felt the Lord saying that this was a fresh way to enter into government. And through the new, it's uh, through that door is through relationships. You know, that, that ancient is being transformed through relationships, and that's that's part of the healing, right? Um, that that the world needs, um, and in the in the same way, the same way a, a contractor would modernize uh, uh, an ancient a historical structure. I see God coming in to change things. And Eric, we know you as a man of risk. Uh, we know this, so you're included in this commissioning. So uh, I heard the Lord say to you, release risk over your elder team, you know, that they wouldn't fear new risk or resist new challenges or new ideas, but they would stand up to risk the face of the scars in this region, in our city, in our lives. Um, and the same way a contractor would assess a building, a structure to renovate, um, I, I really felt that it, my challenge to you is research what that means. Research what it means to restore a historical building, to modernize a historical building, because there's a lot more to that than this this tiny little word. And um, I, I, there's major there's major work to be done before the cosmetic work to change from ancient to modern. Um, so I would encourage you, and, and, and Glenn, you're probably in a perfect spot with the city council of knowing how to restore ancient buildings. Um, and, and the next thing I heard was, uh, uh, this was Friday. I, I had heard that all of you have lost people in your lives and, and uh, important, impactful people in your lives. And, and not just people who generically would pray for you, but people who would intercede for you, people that would push open doors for you in the spirit. You know, Dean, you lost your mom. Glenn, you lost your mom. Eric, you've lost your dad. Don, this morning, has lost his his mom. And um, what, I, what I heard from the Lord saying is, uh, 
The same way he says in Isaiah 46, he says, I make known my plans from the beginning to the end. But as it pertains today to today, the words Lord to you is how much more is he making known those plans to your dad, to your moms, to Don's mom, now that they are with him in heaven? How much more? He is sharing secrets and plans and details with them that they didn't know here or that they could only see through in a small way. And what that is allowing them to do is intercede for you in ways that are so much more powerful. And in this position, Eric, you've, you've walked in this for a year now, but in this position as you guys are being installed today, that level of intercession, the secrets, the secrets of Father's heart that he's sharing with your moms, that, that they will open up a portal from heaven to earth to see things that are going to take place that would not have taken place if they were here. They could fight for you. They could war for you. They could pray for you if they were here. But that level of intercession is they know the deep, deep plans and secrets that Father is sitting there and saying, Dennis, let me tell you what I've got for Eric. Let me tell you what I've got for Glenn. Let me tell you what I've got for Dean. Let me tell you what I've got for Don. And that great cloud of witness that we hear about, that warring cloud that is going before you, that will open doors, that will heal scars, is taking place because they are there and God is using them now. Well, just to uh, conclude this portion of our commissioning, I uh, wanted to give each of you and then give Don uh, his when we have an opportunity, but it's really amazing. I'm glad I had you share first because uh, there's a, a symbol here that we'd like to give each of you. And uh, this has to do with keys. You know, elders, the, the scriptures talk about elders in the gates. It's not just Randy talked about it as well. It's not just within the context of this church, but in the community uh, where, you know, in the, in the spiritual life of a city and a community, there is great authority to be able to bring about the will of God through prayer, through the teaching of the word, through involvement in serving our community as well as our church. And uh, so God is opening doors as a transition here that in terms of the specific call on your life, again, not better, um, but just the, the function that God is calling us into. There are certain keys that he's giving you today that will allow you to be able to open up those doors, help open up things in, in people's lives that are necessary for this church to thrive, to move forward into the future and become all that is in God's heart to become. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Love you by the grace of God and by God's help. Uh, we will do this. Amen. Amen. Uh, Todd Cunningham. Where's Todd? Is he around here somewhere? He's with the kids. Okay. I thought he was supposed to be doing announcements, but we'll go ahead and, and move forward here. Amen. Let me, um, 
I love this. Uh, I want to just read one more scripture having to do with the context of, of, of eldership and, and leadership. But I also want you to hear this in the context of Father's Day and just this great celebration uh, that we're having here. And uh, But uh, there's a retired uh, U.S. General, Bruce Clark. He said, rank is given to you to enable you to better serve those above and below you. It's not given for you to practice your idiosyncrasies. And uh, there's just a, a really powerful uh, scripture here that I, that I wanted to read as well. Excuse me, where did I put that? Here it is. Serve the local church, representing Jesus in regards to proper leadership in the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, you know that rulers in this world lord it over their people, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader in my kingdom must be the servant of all. God calls husbands to do this and laying down our lives for our wives. He calls um, fathers to do this as well in the nurturing of our children. As we get into the word here, let's just pray together. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, again, we just say happy Father's Day to you. We, we love you and we love your word. Your word is what guides us, directs us, and fills us with life and exactly spells out what your heart is uh, for us. Lord, in spite of what we've experienced in an, in an earthly sense here with fathers, God, you are faithful and there is none like you. You're perfect in spite of our imperfections. And we just, we just thank you for your grace and uh, your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. There, there's a, a man, some of you will recognize his name. His name is Bill McCartney. He's the former football coach at the University of Colorado. And he uh, is also the founder of Promise Keepers. And uh, he, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they were sh- sharing with me this story. And he tells of a greeting card company that gave away Mother's, car- Mother's Day cards at a penitentiary. He tells um, all the inmates, all the inmates had to do was agree to sign and address the card. The response was so great that they ran out of cards, and the company rushed in additional boxes on top of what they sent in. The leaders of the company decided to do the same thing for Father's Day. They sent word to the prisoners ahead of time. This time, an abundance of cards arrived. Not one prisoner showed up. Not one prisoner showed up. Not one came to send his dad a Father's Day card. These men did not find their fathers worthy of honor. They may not even have known how to get a hold of their dads, not even have an address to send one to. Wow, what an amazing telling statement or story about the condition of where we find ourselves at today as a society, as a culture. Many, uh, many cultures throughout history, Hebrew being certainly one of them that values fatherhood so much, the joining of the generations. God identifies himself as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Last year I told of, you know, while my dad's 
uh, passing was still very fresh that you know, it, it, they, they, in Hebrew culture, when a sibling died, you, you were given a month for grieving time. Um, when, a, when a spouse passed away, you were given three months to mourn. And when you lost a parent, you were given an entire year. That's what God gave to his people to consider how powerful the relationship between sons and, and, and their fathers and daughters and their fathers God values this very much, and he has a lot to say about fathers. Also, um, not, not the least bit that he describes himself as a father. Jesus, his whole relationship. A lot of times we think that, you know, Christ's ultimate goal was to produce disciples. It's not. It's to produce sons just like him. That was what he was about. Malachi 4, 6 very clearly, very familiar scripture, but says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else he will come and strike the land with a curse. How many shootings in how many days? We're experiencing the result. I, I think many Many of the, the issues that we face that are so devastating in our culture and in our nation and nations around the world have to do with the breakdown of the family and the lack of fathers in the home. The prison systems are a direct result of a lack of fathering. Direct result. Sexually transmitted diseases, you can trace those things back to the same source, fathers. The lack of input, the lack of affection in the lives of their children. I know we said this is a celebration, but before we get to the good news, we've got to talk about some of the issues that we're dealing with today. Fatherhood is this identity-shaping call from God. That's what God does with us, and that's what He calls us to do as fathers. Consciously, unconsciously, intentionally or not, we are shaping our children in terms of who they are and what they will become. And our words and voices in their life will significantly shape and who they are actions, attitudes toward our children, releasing identity over them, causing them to become what we see them to be, good or bad. I don't know that we need to convince anymore that there is an attack against fatherhood, but we find that scripturally, we find that uh, in, in reality, in the way that we live in our, in our nation, that fathers are one of the most important voices on the planet. Maybe the most important voices. And again, just as we talk about in, in the whole area of, of eldership, this is not an issue of value in terms of more important or, or anything like that. It's just an issue of function and God's design. So we don't have to retract anything that we just celebrated for Mother's Day and all the wonderful things that we said about them, but we do want to recognize our fathers. We want to recognize our, our, our married fathers. We want to recognize our single fathers the hardships and things that they embrace as well, doing those things alone, just as we talked about our single moms. Adoptive fathers, those who have adopted 
who haven't been able to have children of their own. There's an, an, an intense amount of, can be an intense amount of grief associated if you touch the heart of different ones who have gone through that process of not being able to have natural kids of their own. That's a difficult process. We honor you, adoptive fathers. There's a great representation in terms of the heart of God as he adopts us as his sons and daughters. It is a wonderful demonstration to them. Fathers who have lost children to miscarriages, other tragic scenarios. I think of, I think of Crelox, what they've gone through, and Pastor Kevin and Deanne McEwen and what they've gone through, the loss of children that is just, it's very difficult. And those things, of course, come back. Um, during these times, especially uh, in, in our lives. Spiritual fathers play a very important role. We can't discount the power of spiritual fathers inputting into young people who either have their parents are not involved in their lives and how important we can be to speak into them the heart and identity of God. Grandfathers, don't count yourselves out. You're not done yet. Grandfathers, you guys got to stay in there and, and keep working, keep pouring into the next generation. We love the gray hairs. I'm getting there myself. I'm going platinum for a while. I'll go gray later. But uh, I, I probably lose it before I go gray. But uh, no? Thinking no? Are we going Rogaine, girl? Are we going Rogaine? Okay. There's all kinds of wonderful things we can do to cover up our our junk these days, huh? So, okay. There's quite a few of us who have lost their dads. That's tough stuff. Tough stuff. The rocks, the anchors in your life that are no longer there. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's just, just personally, just to hear his voice. I'm able to hear dad, you know, preaching and different things. But, man, if I could get on the phone with him. Voice, wisdom. Sometimes our, whatever we've lacked in terms of fathering in our own lives, there can be such a great fear that comes to consider fathering ourselves, having children and what that might look like as we've faced different things, divorce, whatnot, just, and uh, I, I just, Holy Spirit, I just feel prompted, just, we, I just, we break off that fear. And we just release the confidence of Father God in our lives. That in our weaknesses, you are strong. In our inadequacies, you are fully and completely able to live your life, which it's your desire to do. To live your life through us, through your son, Jesus. We just break fear off of fathers today. We break disqualification off of fathers today. To become all that you have called them to be. Again, as we were praying before, thank you for second chances. Thank you for restarts, redos. Not in a cheap way, not at all, but just in your grace. 
in your mercy. Amen. Well, this morning is also a call to future fathers. Some of you are still waiting to have that opportunity, and, and uh, we just, I, I just bless you this morning to receive, you know, an impartation from Father God this morning to become who He's called you to be in that regard. It's amazing the power of fathers. Statistics tell us that that eighty nine percent when when eighty nine percent of fathers or when fathers make a decision to follow Christ, that eighty nine percent of their children will follow Jesus. Contrastly, again, not an issue of value or importance, but just of function. But the way that they, it works, when a mother makes a decision to follow Jesus. Uh, perhaps separate from her husband or, you know, those different circumstances, only 17% choose to follow Christ. The power of identity, the power of those words. And we, you know, let's think about this. Father God in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but Father God creating the world in Genesis 1. The power of his voice. How did he do it? He did it with his voice, with words. He spoke the world into existence. And of course, we as human beings have an opportunity, not just specific to fathers, we as human beings have an ability to create, to release destiny, purpose into people's lives. That's not just limited to fathers, but again, fathers have a unique special function in that way, particularly in the lives of their children. I'm just going to hit on a, a few of these things this morning. We're not going to go long here and and uh, but uh, I want to talk about first loving affection. How important loving affection is is us as fathers, and and uh, it's just so key that uh, Ephesians three. You know, Paul says, "I I don't want you to just understand the love of God. It's not just an intellectual thing. I want you to experience the love of God as well, that you might be fully come into the maturity of who God has called you to be, and that." our kids would experience the love of their dads. Experience it, the touch. My dad did a, a good job. You know what? He, his dad didn't do a very good job of that. My dad himself didn't get that, didn't re, wasn't on the receiving end of that. But again, it's Father God. It's not just our earthly representation of fatherhood, but it's our Father God who is able to redeem, to restore uh, those things for us. The ability to fill up our kids' love tank. We're in a battle to secure the affections of our kids. For Jesus, an undistracted devotion to Him. And that obviously comes with our first and foremost and our primary responsibility as fathers to love our wives. To love our wives. To, for them to see appropriate and wonderful affection between husbands and wives is so key. It brings, we know this, um, you know, it's not just what we know from Scripture, but from, from psychology and all kinds of things. Studies that have been done over the years and they say the, those homes where, where husbands and wives, there's a, a really wonderful display of affection between them is one of the most securing things and anchoring things in the life of a young person. Pour it on, dads. Pour it on. And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. Identity. How powerful is identity? Uh, this role. Father God in 
Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is about to uh, be baptized and there's this voice that comes down. It's his dad. And it's our dad. And the same words that he speaks over Jesus, he speaks over us today. And we need to hear it. We need to hear it for ourselves and let it impact us. But what does he say to him? He said, this is my dearly beloved son. Daughters, come on, take it. This is my dearly beloved daughter, but who brings me great joy. Do we know that that's our starting place with God? Come on, we got to remember this. Jesus just being baptized, he's done nothing in terms of uh, anything miraculous, no miracles, no healings, no nothing. He hasn't accomplished anything that we would say would be incredibly, you know, amazing or astounding or anything. He hasn't done anything yet. This is our starting point, our, our, rec- our reception point as a son and daughter in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. He is proud of us. He is pleased with us. We are loved. We are loved. One of the biggest areas of turmoil in the life of, the, of, a, of a young person is this identity confusion. Who am I? Does it matter that I exist? Do I have a special purpose? Am I a man or am I a woman? Am I beautiful? Am I, am I strong? Am I handsome? so important that there are young people hear those things from their dads. Cambria was, uh, Lisa was telling me yesterday that Cambria was looking at a magazine with some friends. And I, I don't know what the magazine was, but she comes to Lisa and she says, you know, I don't think I'm as pretty as those girls in that magazine. And she said, do you think I'm ever going to be pretty when I grow up? Cam's gorgeous. <laughs> I'm buying many firearms as a result of her beauty. As it increases, I buy more firearms because I know I'm going to have to fend off these guys, right, that are coming. But I said, wow, that was was a big wake-up call for me. So there's something lacking, missing uh, in the heart of my daughter that she's not hearing that loud enough, strong enough, enough, quantity and quality, so that that place in her heart is filled up. Because what happens when the guy comes along and he's like, hey, you are ha 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 hot. <laughs> I've never seen beauty like this before. And he's telling her whatever she, he thinks she wants to hear. And it may be sincere, but until he goes through me, it's misguided, right? So, <laughs> but it's going to come. It's going to be there. Can't always be with them. Not going to chain them to the bedpost. What is my responsibility to Father? To fill that place. To fill that place so that she's secure in who she is. She's like, my daddy loves me. He loves my outside pretties and my inside pretties. All those things together. Uh, How does Father God address him? You're my son. He's speaking identity. Isn't that amazing? I'm your father, you're my son. You're my son. There's that bringing absolute clarity to his identity in terms of of who he is, and he would continue to do that over the course of his life.
power of words. The book of Proverbs is immense in terms of the power of words. How does a father do this? Listen, um, the book of Proverbs isn't just some dad, you know, talking to his son Solomon as wise as he was. But it really is a picture for us of the heart of God as he speaks to us as his sons and daughters. If you, if you want wisdom from Father God, go, look, go read the Proverbs. Mom has always told us, you know, every day, read the Proverbs. She's telling the grandkids that. Because you're getting the heart of Father into you as a son and a daughter. He says in in Proverbs chapter 3, My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Do you hear that relationship? It's a relationship. It's not just, hey, follow these rules, these regulations, get back to me in the morning. He's saying, man, carry my heart. If you do this, you're going to live many years. You're going to live a life that's satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. You're going to find favor with God and people if you do this. And you'll earn a good reputation. I don't know how that accent got in there, but... It just sounds better. Man, they can make anything sound good, can't they? Even if you butcher an accent, it still sounds better than just speaking old whatever we're doing. I should have Paul come up and read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you a path to take. So, as a father, do my, my big question is, do my words, my directions, do they line up with God's? Because are we remembering, of course, and this is, I have to be reminded of this, and I change my, the language of the way that I speak, but my kids are not mine. They're really not my kids. I was just, as I was preparing for this, I was praying for justice last night. He was going to bed and I just praying for him. It's like, Lord, I know justice. I'm holding him right here, you know. Justice, I know justice is my brother someday. Right now, he's a stewardship and I get to care for him and love on him stuff. Isn't that crazy to think about? He's my brother. There's no grandkids. There's no nieces and nephews in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. There's only sons and daughters. So all of us, Gabriel... You're your father's brother. Isn't that amazing? He's a good-looking brother, isn't he? That's the way it's going to be in eternity. So what a stewardship. And I loved what Randy was talking about, just the the compassion, the soft-heartedness, and the way that we relate. And I I just, man, I constantly am going to my kids for do-overs. Would you forgive me? I was so wrong in the way that I treated you and was so harsh. My dad did such a good job of modeling that for me, of humility and just saying, you know what, I was wrong. I didn't represent Father's heart. I was harsh with you. What a powerful gift that we can give to our kids in that. So agreement with God's word, the power of his words coming through us, that we represent him accurately in that way. Of course, we we know how um, how intense it is. I remember my dad just you know had a teacher, the power of words. He had a teacher who spoke to him one time, just said, you know, Dennis, you're never going to amount to anything academically. You never go to college. You none of that stuff. They just grow up feeling stupid. You know, words that are just so damaging. You're stupid. You're lazy. Um, even things that, you know, with, with different things, Lisa and I, we've talked about with our own kids talking about, you know, I, I can't trust you. Wow. That's a powerful thing. 
that sticks with our kids. It hangs over them. And we ourselves, you know, I was just having a conversation with Justice the other day, and then I was bringing some hard things to him. And I said, what, do you, what are you hearing in that? He goes, well, I feel like I, I can't really do much good because I can't get out from under what you're saying. It's like this, this heap of kind of condemnation and stuff. I was like, oh, Justice, that is the last thing I want to do to you. I don't want to put any type of, of this weight. I want you to know that I'm proud of you. I know I need to bring correction to you, adjustment to you, but I don't want to heap condemnation and feel like that you can't please me. And uh, anyway, we worked that out, didn't we? Didn't we, son? <laughs> no, we did. We did. We worked it out and, and just talked it through and cried a little bit. And, and uh, But we... We got through to the other side, but you know, if we, ah, man, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, that stuff doesn't come just naturally, you know, and especially when you didn't get it from your own dad, that example and, and certain things that can be really challenging, but I'm just Lord, by your grace, by your grace, that we would be such a, a clear representation of your heart. Um, the power of example. And I, I had some pictures up here and uh, but I don't, I don't think we have them uh, this morning. But you guys have all seen the pictures of a... I had these great pictures of, of dads, you know, walking along with their arms behind him like this. And you got the little kid behind him, you know, and he's doing the exact same thing. And they're looking at dad and they're studying every move. And which, you know, especially when they're young. But the though the mimicking or the imitating may not be as uh, prevalent or, or clear in that way... I don't know that justice walks around behind me looking anymore, but I see myself in him because he can't help but pick up who I am and what I'm doing. Okay? You know? Uh, So that example is so huge for us that what are we doing? What are we doing when no one's watching? Because then we turn around, we come back into uh, the the public eye. What do we do? We impart what we've been doing when no one's watching. So it's not just what they see, but what are we imparting to them in terms of example? We can't avoid that. Again, intentionally, unintentionally, our absence says a lot. What are we putting ahead of? We might think, you know, maybe the, the work and different things that, that uh, they're, they're good things, they're honorable things. But are we investing in the most important relationships that God has given us? That is the key thing. We're going, to be, we're going to give an account for our work that we do. What we do on the job place and the marketplace and all that. But there's going to be, there's heavy devastation. Um, there's certain consequences when we don't, you know, we're not able to fulfill the work or, or do as much as we would like to. But um, we can't get back these years with our kids. Ephesians 5, 1 through 4, imitate God. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Watch how he walks. Watch how, watch how he talks. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes... These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God.
Though fathers are the primary avenue for releasing identity in the lives of their children, there is absolutely no substitute, no substitute for the Father heart of God toward us. Absolutely no substitute. He reminds us continually, if we're there to listen, excuse me, He reminds us who we are and whose we are. That anchor right there is everything. In the storms that we face, in the difficult things, in the temptations that we encounter, to know and be reminded who we are. We are a son, we are a daughter of God. He is our Father. We celebrate Father's Day with Him today. And whose we are, we belong to Him. Our identity that He speaks over us through His Word time and time again as we read God's Word, as we speak God's Word, as we preach God's Word, as we live God's Word. It's this self-fulfilling prophecy over our life to become who God has created us to be. I want uh, Justice and Trinity to come up here and I want you to help me. Uh, I want all the fathers to raise their hands. I have some uh, some things here that I want them to hand out. And... Uh, this is a, uh, something that a really good friend of mine, Adam Peacock, pastors a church in Santa Rosa, but he put these together, and it's called The Power of Five. The Power of Five. And it uh, talks about five minutes to spend each day with your child, helping us to be intentional with them. Five minutes. Focus five minutes each day on your child. During these times, emphasize three things. And he goes through your love for them, your interest in them, your vision for their future. Five prayers to pray each week for your child. Five things to do every month with your child. And five question-initiated conversations to have each year with your child. Great thing to keep in your Bible. Moms, if you, uh, if you want a, a copy of this as well, these are available to you. I want to equip as many people in this church as possible uh, that, can, that would uh, see this as a resource. Uh, where's Justice? Justice. We got more hands that are being raised. So here, pass these out. Go ahead and raise your hands if you'd like a copy of these. Come on up here, Cassie, sweet girl. Look at this mom up here. So good to see you. Yeah, she's got something she just wants to share real quick here. Um, I'm not sure how much of you guys are on social media, but there was a new trend, and it started as a hoax, but it really took off, um, and it breaks me. And the trend is to end Father's Day. I'll read you some of the. Some of the Twitter comments. And Father's Day because celebrating patriarchy and male dominance is rape culture. And Father's Day because it's a trigger warning for all women who have been abused by their fathers. Glorifying the rape culture and patriarchy? No, thank you. Come on over here. There you go, right there. That's good. Okay. Um, And Father's Day because masculinity is what causes abuse and is nothing to celebrate. And Father's Day, because 100% of child abuse is from men, typically white men. We need more single mothers. (sighs) 
as someone personally who's let fear and the belief that all men are the same rule my life, I refuse to stand for this. I choose today and every day throughout the year to celebrate my dad, my father in love, Marty Krelock, and my husband. He's going to be a daddy soon. These men deserve to be celebrated. Our Father God deserves to be celebrated. Our culture would rather focus on the negative, on hatred, and I believe it's our duty as children of God, as sons and daughters, to stand against this, to fight for love, appreciation, and we should be louder, stronger, and empowered. Thanks, Cassie, for sharing that. Appreciate that very much. It just emphasizes even more all, all the things that uh, that we've been talking about, and and I know that are in your guys' hearts as well. Uh, as we uh, as we conclude this morning, we just have a, a couple of things uh, for first of all for our graduates. Would like uh, if you've graduated from high school, from college, uh, tech, anything like that. We'd love for you to just stand. We have a uh, a gift for you. Thanks. I forgot, I, I guess as well, we need to take the offering. So the, the brothers, if they could do that while we're, we got to pay the bills. So, okay, here's the thing. I, this news flash just in. Uh, we, we had a, for all your hard work and years of working and everything, we've got a $5 gift Starbucks card for you. Just to, <laughs> you, now that you don't need coffee to stay awake, now we're giving it to you. I know, Rob, you're going in a whole new season here, but uh, exciting stuff. Very proud of you. Well done. Great job, you guys. We're celebrating with you. Here's the deal. Kim White uh, has them, and she's in California, so... Rain check on those and uh, just receive the love, though. Receive the love. All right, let me see those for just a second. So then for all the years, hard work of service that our dads have done, time that they put in, butts that they've wiped, tears that they've wiped, all, all the rest. Uh, we want to say thank you to you. This is just a, a very, very small, of course, token of our love for you. But uh, some some kids are going to be at the back here. Are you going to be at the back? Okay. Yes. There's a bunch. Justice will be there. As you're going out the door, grab your uh, favorite candy bar. So we might have a max exodus, max, mass exodus. Everybody trying to get out there first so they can get their, their favorite uh, one. Have a wonderful celebration. Love you so much. Have a great Father's Day. Amen.